0: spiritual coach I'm the host with the most repping the Holy Ghost Brandon Tribble I appreciate you stopping by now let's get to work on them spiritual muscles hello and welcome back to spiritual coach today we're talking about WWJD the acronym which stands for what would Jesus do In my walk, I've often come to that old adage, what would Jesus do An application to many situations that aren't specifically addressed in the Bible? I know some people may consider things like that tried or worn out, but I feel as if it has been a great guiding resource. I believe we get an overall general attitude and direction that can apply to all situations. Keeping our thoughts centered around Jesus' example can help direct or guide us into rightful actions. Let's consider these two scriptures. Romans 15, 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And then 1 Peter 2, 21. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in His steps. So everything in the Bible is written for our learning, and especially so to those things pertaining to Christ and how He gave us an example to follow in. So then that brings us back to the question, what would Jesus do? and when you learn to apply that to every aspect of your life god will direct your paths listen to this next scripture proverbs 3 6 in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths in all your ways acknowledge him jesus god the father the holy spirit and you focus your mind on What would Jesus do here? How would he want me to act? And what kind of thoughts would he want me to think? What kind of words would he want me to speak? Then when you follow his example, follow in his footsteps, he directs your paths. Sounds like a win-win to me. I always like to think back to this as well. TWD, thoughts, words, and deeds. How have I aligned all three with thee? How have I directed my thoughts to be aligned with the mind of Christ? How have I spoke the words that resemble something Jesus may have spoke? How have my actions reflected that of my Master? How did all three represent Him well? Because after all, folks, we are His oracles. We are His ambassadors. Listen to these two scriptures. First Peter 4.11 if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracle of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability with which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5:20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. If we think about this, we acknowledge that God is using us as His mouthpiece, as His oracle, uh, that one go that goes before Him and speaks on His behalf. And if you think about that as an ambassador as well, they're they're representing another country. They're going before. And representing that country well And speaking on behalf of that country And so they have to be on their best behavior They have to watch their words and their actions And they have to gear those in such a way That represents their country well And I I think it's awesome that he uses these two terms Oracle and ambassador In representation of us If we are going to speak Let us remember that we are speaking on his behalf We are speaking as his oracle, the oracles of God. And if we are his ambassador, we are pleading as if we are pleading... uh, Christ is pleading through us. And so when we are conducting our affairs in this world, when we're walking around and living this life, we remember that we're not living it for ourselves. And so we have to make sure that we watch our actions, we watch our words and we even have to watch our thoughts because they either become words or actions. So we need to be careful because the world is looking at us. They're, they're observing us and they're critiquing every action, every word. And so we need to make sure that we do not have an offense. Of course, the world will be offended by the truth, but that we do not purposefully do things that cause offenses that we are not being offensive, so to speak, and some of those things can be how we act and what we say. I have often heard a few phrases that pertain to this sentiment. We are the only church people will ever visit. We are the only Bible people will ever read. We are the only Christ people will ever interact with. As hard as that is to wrap your mind around, it seems as if, at least in part, it may be true to some degree. We may be the only true godly influence in someone's life. And if that be so, what a grave responsibility it is for us to represent our Lord and Master well in all areas. And we need to know how to serve Him well. So we need to go back to that statement, TWD, thoughts, words, and deeds. So what would Jesus do? What would His thoughts look like? 1 Corinthians 2 16 for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him but we have the mind of Christ amen we should have minds that resemble or reflect the mind of Christ and so thus we need to train our minds and transform our minds and renew our minds that they may look and resemble that of Christ And if they don't, or if they aren't, and we are still trying to portray ourselves as Christians, we need to go back to the drawing board and say, I I realize that my mind is, is not resembling your mind, and I want it to. I want to have a renewed mind. I don't want to think like the world or think sinfully, but I want to train my mind to where it looks like yours. So yes, it's going to be a process and it's going to take time and you're going to need to uh, purge some things, purge some sinful thoughts or some old sinful habits that you may have and renew your mind to where it looks like Christ. And one of those ways is Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. See, sometimes we don't meditate on the right things. Sometimes we meditate on sinful things. And this is going to cause you to have a carnal mind a fleshly mindset, not one of a spiritual mind, not one of Christ, but a, a, a mind that thinks carnally. And so we must train our mind and meditate on the list mentioned above in Philippians 4, eight. Go back to that, and I, I encourage you to memorize it because it's something that I often have to do, to constantly remind myself to be trained to think this way to think positively and not negatively. To think about good and wholesome things and not evil things. Because it can just take just a split second for your mind to go out of whack. For you to go off on a tangent thinking about an evil scenario. And before you know it, you've been spending five or 10 minutes thinking about an evil thing. And so as soon as you see a thought come in, you cause that thought to become captive And you make it to the obedience of Christ. And you cause yourself to do this often. To training yourself to think in a good way. To think as if Christ were thinking. Listen to this next one Psalm 119 48. My hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. We need to make sure that we are meditating on Christ and His words. When you think about Jesus and when you think about His words, it helps you to focus your mind to thinking in a godly way. All right, now we come to another one. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus' words look like? So what? how should I uh, know how to guide my words with my tongue? So I was at a camp one time, and I overheard a camp counselor talking to his kids how he thought cussing wasn't a sin. And I thought, oh, man, i gotta, I got to interject here. <laughs> i got to uh, tell them the truth. And so I gave a few scripture about how cussing was a sin. And he said, uh, upon further analysis of the scripture, when you study the Greek, it doesn't actually mean cussing. And so I didn't really have a response to that because people can twist the Greek to make it sound any way they want. So the only thing that I could think of, and hopefully it was the Spirit giving it to me, was I said, I don't think, I don't see Jesus cussing. And he said, oh, you got me there. (laughs) And even the kids were nodding in appreciation. Like they wanted to, for that to be validated. They wanted to know that cussing was indeed a sin, but the spiritual leader was guiding them in the wrong way and teaching them uh, something false and, and trying to teach them that cussing was not wrong and wasn't sinful. But when you think back to what would Jesus do or what would Jesus say, we can never imagine him cussing can never imagine him casually just cussing away and uh, using that as part of his regular everyday speech now I do understand that there are people who struggle with this sin, and they have a problem with it and they acknowledge it and they know that it is a sin but yet it takes a while for that uh, old sin to die in them and I understand that but it's another thing for someone to teach or to believe that cussing is not a sin at all when it in fact is very much so let's look at these scriptures here James 1 26. if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart this one's religion is useless if we do not learn to bridle or tame our tongue in such a way that we not only refraining from cussing but backbiting, lying, slandered uh, speaking evil in any kind of way we deceive ourselves in thinking that we are in right standing with God and our religion is useless and we're deceiving ourselves I think we need to learn how to bridle our tongue tame that tongue Let's go to James three one through twelve. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, also able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by very small rudder. Wherever the pilot desires, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue—at least not in himself. With God's help, it can be so. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude or the likeness of. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Folks, we cannot think that we are living a righteous life before our God and Maker. If we have not learned to tame the tongue, because the tongue is full of deadly poison and is, is a fire and is set on fire by hell. The devil literally uses us to speak evil things. And God is trying to instruct us if we are wanting to be teachers of the word. See, he's specifically talking to teachers here, but it applies to all of us. If you want to be a teacher you're held to a higher standard and a stricter judgment and you are held to even more scrutiny whether you want it or not all eyes are on you and if you speak evil and good at the same time the people who look up to you or look to you as a teacher will emulate those practices cursing and blessing should not come out of your mouth now I know some people might want to try to twist the word and say oh well that's cursing somebody trying to get them uh, to have a curse put on them but where do we get cussing from it comes from cursing so in a way when you cuss let's say you cuss somebody out that can be in turn looked at as a type of curse but let's look at this next scripture Ephesians 4 29 let no corrupt word seed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers so no corruption at all so in any sense if I'm gonna cuss that is corrupt how do I know it's corrupt because I know Jesus would not do it if Jesus would not do it I therefore should not do it as well not even casually not even in your everyday speech, oh, well, I'm just going to slip in a cuss word here or there. No, you, you, you don't cuss at all. And yes, one is worse than the other. To cuss somebody out would be worse. But even just cussing casually, oh, I'm just using this as an emphasis to uh, make my sentence sound more palatable. Well, actually it's not because there are many people who do find cussing offensive. So you might be pushing people away from what you have to say by your cussing. So instead, train your mouth, tame your tongue, and represent your God well as an oracle and as an ambassador and think, I need to make sure I'm on guard with what comes out of my mouth. And if you need help with that, of course, God will. Please set bars over my lips, Lord, and help. Uh, If I'm going to cuss here, if I'm going to represent you wrong in some kind of way with my words, if I'm going to slander somebody, if I'm going to backbite, if I'm going to lie here or cuss, whatever it may be, please stop me. Keep my hand over my mouth so that doesn't even come out but then as you make this a practice you will begin to learn what is right listen to this next one second corinthians two seventeen. for we are not as so many peddling the word of god but as of sincerity we're sincere about it but as from god we speak in the sight of god in christ as we speak god is listening and i, I recognize that so i want to make sure that I speak in his sight something wholesome, something pleasing, something good, something that edifies, something that builds somebody up, something that has grace, something that is good. And we're speaking in the sight of God in Christ. So as I speak, I'm speaking in Christ. As as if he is speaking through me. And as we already know, he would not be cussing, so we shouldn't be doing that either. Or lying. Or backbiting, or slander, or gossiping, or whatever other evil things that people may speak, we are not to act that way. All right, let's look at this next one. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus's actions look like? So, what? How would Jesus act in certain situations? Let's go to the scripture here, James one twenty-two. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. God doesn't want us just to hear the word. Or even just speak the word. Or even just read the word. We're to be doers of what we've read. Or else we're deceiving ourselves. You're not doing yourself any good. As matter of fact, you're held to a higher standard now because you know not to do it and you're doing it anyway. And even doubly so if you are a teacher of the word. You're held to even stricter judgment. So, you need to make sure you're doing what God has called you to do. How would Jesus act in a certain situation? He would be obedient to God's words. Whatever He has seen God do, whatever He has seen God say, that is how He's going to act. And that's how we should act. Colossians 3.17 And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So whatever you do, do it in Jesus' name. And if you can't imagine Jesus doing it, or you can't glorify Jesus in this, or glorify the Father in this, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. And yes, there's a lot of people who say, well, I couldn't see Jesus driving a car, or I couldn't see him doing this or that, in justification for the sins that they are doing. Yes, it's hard for us to imagine Jesus driving a car, but is driving a car sinful? Not entirely. Yes, there may be instances where people use cars in, in, in not a godly way. But for the most part, it's like riding a horse or riding a donkey in modern day. Uh, <clears throat> in olden times, Jesus rode a donkey, we know for sure. So is it would it be too far-fetched to imagine him uh, driving a car? No. But we know for sure that he wouldn't do any sinful actions. Therefore, we shouldn't do them. Because he is our ultimate example and we say what would jesus do in all circumstances how would jesus think in all circumstances how would he speak in all circumstances not just when you're teaching or preaching from the pulpit or at church but how you act when you're hanging out with friends what you post on your facebook page how you uh what kind of videos you share what are you talking about with your coworkers? How are you acting around your family what are you doing behind closed doors when it's just you your, yourself and Jesus <laughs> what would Jesus do so how am I gonna train my voice how, how am I gonna train my speech how am I gonna train my thoughts how am I gonna train my actions they should all line up with what would Jesus do I pray y'all got something good from this teaching yeah it can be hard sometimes but remind yourself what would Jesus do And it might just help you as it has always helped me. Thank you. Stay tuned to the next one.